0: Well, a very warm welcome to uh, what I've called Welfare in Warfare, Um, hopefully a memorable title. And um, the idea with these series of messages um, that are going to be going out on podcast is really, I guess it's been triggered by the season that we find ourselves in where uh, for for many of us, particularly those of us in the West who are used to lots of freedoms, um, to find ourselves with so many restrictions in our lives, um, and multiplied uncertainties, which can lead to multiplied anxieties and all of these things. Obviously, there's a lot of talk around at the moment about how how you're doing, how, how are we doing, you know, how, how is our welfare, spiritual, emotional, uh, mental, physical. Uh, and so it seems that it's very topical and important that we talk about it. I put it welfare and warfare because the reality is actually that no matter whether we as a nation or as a, as a as a planet are going through something like we're going through or not, the reality of spiritual warfare is, is 24-7. And so the principle, sometimes seasons like this cause us to sort of wake up. Maybe if we were getting a little bit um, complacent, they help us to wake up. But they help us to wake up to things that are realities 24-7. So the point is, is that if we can get a good grounding in terms of welfare and by welfare i guess i mean looking after our soul really and when i say looking after our soul i think that that touches on every part of who we are um so when i'm talking about looking after our soul, i'm just talking about looking after ourselves but not in a selfish sense you know look after yourself put yourself first i'm not talking about that but i'm talking about taking care of uh how how we're doing mostly speaking in terms of our inner life that part of us which is invisible, but which really dictates everything else that, that comes out of us, that is so visible, the, the inner life, what's going on in our mind, in our heart. But that touches upon how we're treating our bodies, that touches upon um, um, physical and external things as well. But really the focus is um, keeping our own soul, soul keeping, if you want to use kind of an, an ancient uh, sort of theological phrase. keep How, how to keep our souls well. Um, because, you know, hopefully the pandemic will be over um, before too long. But then the reality is, is that when that's over, spiritual warfare continues. And also uh, life holds all kinds of unknowns for us. If this pandemic should have done anything, it should have helped us to realise, well, we we don't know really what a day will bring. So there's a humbling thing in there, but it keeps us, again, that should keep us wide awake. And so that's the point of doing these podcasts um and I'm, I'm i guess i'll be you know there's a lot of really good sort of what we might call general advice and wisdom out there um some of it's not so good but some of it's really good just you know born out by observing uh you know people observing life and and and, and suggesting things that are just good things whether or not you're a christian whether or not you believe the gospel, um, the, the focus, obviously, will this will be much more specific. It will be much more aimed at helping and encouraging and uh, uh, serving those who are on the way, uh, following Christ. Um, if you're not, if you wouldn't describe yourself as a as a disciple of Jesus, you're still so welcome uh, to listen. And I trust that it will be hopefully helpful in terms of giving you a, a sense of, of the gospel, because... Um, you know the Bible teaches that 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 the gospel isn't just the way in, the gospel is how we mature, uh, and the gospel is that 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 which will save us finally at the end and, and assure us of eternal life. So, um, so all of all of these podcasts will be shot through with the gospel. So, you know you will become very familiar with with the heart of the Christian message as you listen to these. So if you're not currently uh, consciously uh, knowingly following Jesus, you're still very welcome. To hear but my, my the audience I have in mind are our believers our disciples so here we go the first the first session I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the subject of the conscience which is an absolutely fas- fascinating uh, subject how we look after ourselves um, actually there's that has a great deal to do with uh, how we both educate and protect our own conscience and how we protect the consciences of others as believers. It's spoken a lot about uh, in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. It really does come uh, right to the fore. So let's just do some teaching on this so you understand how this works. So what is the conscience? Well, probably the most simple way to describe the conscience is moral consciousness. So an awareness of what's right and what's wrong. And it's an interesting thing, really, that the people humans from their earliest years will have quite carry quite a strong sense of what's right and what's wrong normally it will it will be um centered around the kind of a selfishness in the sense of um you don't often find toddlers uh having a tantrum um because someone stole someone else's toy um normally it's when someone's stolen their toy so it's selfish nevertheless there comes with it a sense of that's not right, a sense of moral indignation this shouldn't be happening that's not fair that's a favorite saying of of children that's not fair mummy daddy, you said we were going to do this, but now you haven't you haven't done what you said that's not fair and so we have this sense of right and wrong now like I say um because the Bible teaches that we are um primarily kind of uh part of big part of the fact that we are fallen part of the fact that we are not we have fallen from the glory of god we 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 are not born uh born again no one is we are born fallen um selfishness is, is 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 prevalent and and continues to to be something all of us battle with uh even as we come to know christ and follow him and, and put him first it's constantly something we have to put to death some of us more than others but it's it's a re- it's a reality um never nevertheless though That the conscience, that sense of right and wrong, that, we would say, that's a gift from God, um, no matter how inconvenient it can be at times, that's for sure. But in some ways, you might say that it sets us apart um, from the rest of uh, animate creation, that it's something unique, it seems, uh, among humans, this sense of right and wrong, um, and kind of what we do with it, what we do with it as Christians. Now, it's such a big deal because actually the more that we sin the more that we go against right and wrong the more that we go that we go against this sense of right and wrong which comes from god because god is a moral being god loves righteousness and hates wickedness god isn't just aware of right and wrong but 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 god is perfectly righteous and so his his sense of indignation is aroused at what is wrong in ways we can't begin to comprehend in ways we can't begin to Uh, imagine because we are corrupt because we are so mixed in our motives um you know when 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 we feel indignant about something being wrong so often it's mixed with um selfishness uh compared to 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 god's uh, indignation at what is wrong which is built just totally founded on righteousness and so we're made in His image we're made with this sense of right and wrong but we're fallen so we don't um Live up to, it. but as we do as we do those things, growing up that we know are wrong, we go against our consciences. Our our soul is defi- our conscience gets defiled by that, so it actually gets impacted by that. And that's a really important thing to learn about the conscience. It's a It's kind of malleable. You can defile it so that it doesn't really work properly anymore. You can you can have what the Bible describes as a seared conscience. Now, the idea that when something is seared, it's when it's kind of something gets sort of um, Burnt, um, and but then it's kind of becomes a, you get like a tough layer over it, and so the conscience is no longer sensitive to what's right and wrong. So, no, the, the conscience doesn't get troubled anymore by things that are right, by things that are wrong. Um, it just doesn't really. Uh, it becomes insensitive, and that can happen to many of us, and will have happened to all of us in different ways and to different degrees before we come to know Jesus. You know, whether it's the the, the four year old giving their life to Christ and saying sorry you know for for being selfish with their brother and sister about the toys you know again they see that they they may have their conscience even at that little age may have got a little bit defiled and as you know if they give their life to Christ that's what's in their mind you know fast forward you know 30 years to someone coming to know Jesus after a significant amount of years as an adult doing all kinds of things that are against the will of God and, and therefore their conscience would have um, would have troubled them about, but 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 become has has become sin, uh, and so the conscience gets defiled by sin. That's a really important thing to recognize, and it helps us to understand why looking after our conscience is such an important thing for a believer. Um, because Jesus on the cross, you know, he's dealing with sin, and he's dealing with the results of sin. He's dealing with all of that. That's the extraordinary thing about the gospel: Christ at the cross bearing our sins in his body becoming sin for us he's taking on all of the muck all of the vileness all of the shame all of all of all of the darkness associated with the things that we say do and think wrong he's taking all of that on so we can redeem us from it um and in one sense, he's redeemed us from it in a legal sense from the perspective that he's taken it all on himself so that from the moment we give our life to Christ, we can be justified completely right before God. Even though we haven't started to live a godly life yet, we've literally just come come to God, come to Christ then. But we are instantly justified and made right with God. Why? Because in a kind of legal forensic sense, Jesus took it all on himself. And so God, as righteous judge, can forgive us and justify us in a moment because the price has been paid. Um, but actually also on top of that, there, there is this process of glorification, of transformation becoming more and more the image of God being restored in us. You see, and G- that also was purchased for us at the cross. So even though we enjoy the benefits of justification immediately and then the transformation in back into the you know, the image of God being being restored in us, that takes a, a lifetime. Nevertheless, all of those things are won for us by Jesus at the cross. And so it's it's our inheritance, and so God is very zealous that everything that Christ won for us at the cross that we walk into, that we step into, and that we don't sort of fiddle around and play around with those things that actually caused Christ such agony on the cross. We don't continue playing with those things, or entertaining those things, or giving those things room. Um, but in, in light of all that Christ has done, you know, we put away sin and we put away these things. And so and so then the. the and so then just particularly focus on the area of the conscience in terms of growth as a Christian. And it's so key because, you know, sometimes in, in, in secular therapy, when people are, you know, kind of being helped, and don't get me wrong, I, I do think that there can be, um, you know, in, in, in the right time and at the right place, there can be help from these um, from, from certain um, therapies that aren't Christian, uh, providing that they don't cross the line into certain areas. But what you will find is, is that a therapy that's got no room for God in it, uh, no room uh, for sin in it, um, no room for the devil in it, uh, no room for understanding mankind as a worshipper in it. It's really going to struggle to know um, how to incorporate a biblical idea of the conscience in it. It won't be in it. And so what you sometimes find is that there's a, an approach to guilt feelings, if a therapist is helping someone with guilt feelings, there's this kind of um, attempt to do all they can to help the person to get rid of the guilt feelings, rather than ask them, "Why? Why is your conscience troubled? You see, because actually the conscience is a gift. If I feel that something is wrong, out of place, if I'm not feeling peaceful, spiritually peaceful in God, one of the first places I should go is to this area of the conscience and say, "Am I in? Am I? Am I in sin? Am I grieving God in some way? Uh, have I?" Um, have i quenched or grieved the holy spirit in the way that i've acted in the way that i've spoken in something that i've done am i am i troubled because um because am i troubled because god is god god's holy spirit has unsettled my conscience because, not because he wants me to feel bad as an end as an end game but because he wants me to repent and i won't repent if i don't feel a sense of guilt i'm not going to be aware of it and so you see the holy spirit uses the conscience to wake us up, to make us aware where we, um, where we commit sins so that we can confess and repent and be cleansed and, and continually be transformed and, and and continually walk away from sin. And so in that sense, you see, you're not going to get, you're probably not going to get, well, you're definitely not going to get someone in secular therapy asking you whether the Holy Spirit is troubling your conscience. And so there's something we as Christians need to be particularly aware of, and not to be afraid of, not, 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 just not to get into that immature kind of thinking, where we just want, to, I just want to feel better. Stop and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Is it my conscience? It's is the Holy Spirit troubling my conscience for some for some reason um, it's an important question to ask and think about um, as believers because it's something that obviously gets overlooked in a lot of the general care that is around um, today now conscience the conscience is a fascinating thing in the sense that as i said earlier it can be it can be affected by what we do by what we believe by who we surround ourselves with so for example you know you can be brought up. Let's say that you're brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, and you're you're brought up with some things around, um, you know, blood transfusions and stuff. And and your conscience is shaped and educated by that, so you would feel wrong, very very wrong, you know, if if you were ever ill to to have a blood transfusion. But then, say you turned your back on on that teaching, and um, let's say that instead, you know, you became you you got into New Age spirituality, and just listened to loads of New Age stuff. On YouTube and you got influence for that and you opened your heart to that you received that you turned your back on being a Jehovah's Witness and you opened your heart to that and in the New Age teaching hey there's no problem at all with blood transfusions because you know at the end of the day that you know if it's positive then it's good you know that's that's the sort tends to be the the approach with New Age spirituality anything that kind of you know just seems like it's it's a positive thing there's not going to be too much scrutiny um, around you know the details Of it because it just kind of seems good and positive and positivity is like a central tenant of new age spirituality so your conscience as you're now opening your heart to this you're turning your back on that and you're opening your heart to this your conscience is now being shaped by that so it may take some time but after a while you will find you will find that you are comfortable within yourself at the thought of having a blood transfusion now what's happened there is that your conscience has been re-educated now Taking it now to us as believers, when we come to the faith, when we come to know Jesus, our our conscience begins to be educated in the gospel through scripture. So so our sense of what is right and what is wrong, as God re- restores his image in us, he does that through um, spirit-filled scripture reading, listening to sermons, listening to sound preaching that's, that's full of God's word. Our conscience gets educated by that and it gets taught by that. And it gets um, liberated by that. So imagine that, um, you know, you were from a background where you couldn't eat certain foods. And this is something which Paul deals with a lot in uh, Romans chapter f- uh, 14, particularly, and 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 10. He's dealing with situations, um, two different situations, but he, he, both of them he wants to talk about the conscience. He's, he's quite interested in, in, in doing that. Well, actually, the, his language in Romans, he talks more about having weak or strong faith. And in uh, Corinthians, he, he talks about having a weak conscience or not. But he seems to be, <coughs> excuse me, talking about a similar thing in terms of the inner workings. And so in Romans, it's about people that um, don't want to eat certain foods, you know, um, meat versus vegetables, or who, who, who want to observe certain days, as special days, and those who say all days are the same. And in Corinthians, is about food that's been sacrificed to idols. And really, in both cases, Paul is saying, "Look, you can eat what you like, and no day is more special than the other." In both cases, that's really his his, his bottom line argument. He says I'm convinced, you know, that of this. But he says, if someone isn't convinced, if someone's conscience is a bit weak in this area, or their faith is a bit weak in this area, so that they, they struggle with that, they they're, they're troubled with that, they they're not yet their conscience hasn't yet been educated out of. Their old upbringing into gospel freedom. If that's the case, then you mustn't prevail upon other brothers and sisters who aren't through on that yet. You mustn't prevail upon them to just, you know, I don't know, eat that, eat that bit of, eat that bit of meat, because in because their conscience is not reconciled to that yet. And so, what Paul is saying is this: two things. You want to educate your conscience as much as you can in gospel freedom. So that you're not spending your life being worked up about what food you eat. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Food and those kinds of observations, which oftentimes, to be honest, just kind of lead people into a kind of a situation where um, where they're, 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 they're troubled by things that are essentially, really, the gospel doesn't want them to be... The, the God, the, the, God, God's heart through the gospel doesn't want them to be troubled by such small things. He wants them to be able to get on with, you know, not sweat the small stuff, but get on with the really important stuff. Um And so, you know, he doesn't. He, so, so, so I've lost my train of thought a little bit there. <laughs> but he said, so, the, so, two things. One is that he wants our He wants our consciences to become strong, and and um, and and not weighed down with that kind of stuff. But number two, also. We, he wants us to recognize that um, brothers and sisters from us might be in a different place and they might not be reconciled and it's really important that you honor their conscience that you don't railroad them you don't force them by peer pressure or um, uh, any any means at all even even by going, coming in too hard with with scriptures in a kind of unhelpful unloving way that you that they end up doing something in terms of their action that their inner person is not reconciled with. Paul says that if that, if you find yourself doing that, then you're not acting from faith. So you're doing something, but internally you're not through on it. And in that situation, he says, whatever does not come from faith is sin. So it's really serious. And actually Paul says things like, you're going to destroy the brother or sister for whom Christ died by forcing them into doing stuff that they're not reconciled with. So we must be very gentle with one another's consciences, you must really look out for, and care for, and care for the care for one another in that. And it's totally appropriate to um, do Bible studies uh, in a kind of a, in a good atmosphere to to teach people gospel freedom, gospel liberty. So their conscience becomes strong in in line with their faith becoming more and more strong in all that Christ has done in the implications of that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to do. But it should never be done with kind of a pressurising backdrop or to try to get your point over or to try to force someone to do something they're not ready to do. You show people the scriptures and then you let the Holy Spirit use those scriptures to strengthen them and prepare them. And when they're through, all well and good, that's fine. Because then their, their external life is matching up with their internal convictions. And that is absolutely key because the gospel comes to transform us from the inside out. It doesn't just come to change our behaviour. Doesn't just come to get us to stop doing certain things and start doing other things, but the seed, the very seed of God, is implanted in us. So a new heart is given to us. The Bible says it compares compares the old heart with a heart of stone, and a new heart with as a heart of flesh. It's soft, and the Bible says that the laws of God are written on the new heart. So it's not like under the old covenant where the the, left, the commands of God are written on stone externally to the people now they're in internally on the inside it's an amazing miracle and so and from that place transformation happens from the inside out we've got these new desires these new longings and so and so there's when someone's born again there's most definitely usually instant change but it's also accompanied by more ongoing change in, in 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 finer details and and to do with old habits uh, and old ways of thinking old superstitions and old religious beliefs or whatever they might be old customs or old futile ways inherited from our forefathers whatever they are these things take time to put off so but and then we put on instead christ we put on jesus and every all of the teaching issues out of jesus is not a set of rules or beliefs it's a person it's him and everything comes out of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him so we get to know him Better and better, and out of that, issues a new life. But the important thing to say on this is that there's we are internally reconciled with how we are living externally. Our actions come from a place of conviction, and that leads to real peace. And maybe that's the main point of this session that that leads to real peace. And when you're not doing that, it takes your peace away. And when your peace is taken away, you know, it can be because of this and you need to attend to it. Now, it's also worth mentioning that some people have, either by the way they've been brought up or a mixture of that and just the way they've been put together, maybe they're very sensitive people. Um, they have what we would call like a very tender conscience. And what we mean by that is, is they feel guilty about everything. <laughs> and then if they don't feel guilty, they feel guilty about not feeling guilty. You know, they constantly feel like um, that they're, they're being accused in their mind um and this is where we need to get into some really important um uh, thoughts here so you know in romans 2 for example um paul sort of he's describing uh, um gentiles people that have uh, lived uh, or been born without without the law uh and he's um when Gentiles two verse fourteen, when Gentiles who don't have the law by nature do what the law requires, they have a law to themselves. Even though they don't have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. While their conscience also also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. It's quite interesting phraseology. The the conscience you know bears witness when you do what's right. Your conscience bears witness with peace. When you do what's wrong, your conscience bears witness of a lack of peace. And the way that often works is, the way it feels is that in your thoughts, you're either being excused or you're being accused. Now, some people, they always feel guilty. They always feel like they're doing it wrong. And you try and pin them down what? And there's no specific sin that they can repent of in the sense of, it's not the Holy Spirit who is convicting them of a specific sin so that they can repent. It's not that. Um, That's a liberating thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's the kindness of God. Um, it's instead this just general sense of feeling guilty and you know any tiny little thing that's not <clears throat> I don't know how to describe it you know it can get really weird I I, 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 I historically was a bit um, like this and I went through a really weird phase of not being able to walk past litter without picking it up so that's an example of how this stuff can get you feel guilty you know you know I'm I'm a Christian now you know I want to kind of be a blessing and I, I don't want to be a, a above doing things you know picking up litter I don't you know I want to be humble I want to care about the planet you name it so it's good things good intentions comes from a good heart but but the gospel but the conscience is kind of like um, acutely acutely tuned to make you feel guilty whatever you do and I think particularly if you've been into some pretty bad sins and I, and I, I was I think when you go the other way, you know this can this can happen, and it's it's. In, so in one sense, it's a beautiful thing because it shows you've got a new heart. But it's also weird, and it can become a strange sort of slavery, and a dark. It can become a dark thing, and <coughs> we need to be able to recognise it and get counsel and help from others so that we can have our consciences educated in the fact. No, I'm right before God by what Christ has done. So I'm not going to fall into this strange thing of constantly having to demonstrate to myself and everyone around me that, you know, I'm a new creation now and I'm right with God and because it it can become a weird kind of slavery in and of itself. You know, Jesus, interestingly, for example, you know, was able to walk into the pool of Bethesda and, you know, kind of approach one man and, and heal him, you know, without being racked by guilt about all of the others. You know, Jesus had a very strong conscience. Because he said, I, "I know what the Father sent me to do, and I'm I'm just following that," and uh, but it led to kind of liberty and peace and order in his life. Didn't lead to this kind of intense screwing up of the, um, you know, the, the the forehead kind of um, paralysis. Didn't lead to that because you know that that's that that's not that's not the perfect will of God. And so we need to be able to educate take responsibility for educating our conscience in the gospel i am right before god before i get out of bed this morning before i do anything else i'm justified by god settling that in as a foundation and then transformation uh, and glorification can build on that foundation of justification you know you're not trying to justify yourself before god or others all the day long which is often the root spiritual cause behind that kind of crazy overactive sort of conscience so you settle it down your conscience down to rest in the work of Christ. You teach your conscience to rest in the work of Christ. And then from that place the strength comes. As your faith in Christ grows, your 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 uh, into a place of strong faith, your conscience correlates and is strong alongside it. And so um, I guess just to try to sort of wrap things up now with a kind of a application just to say, you know, in terms of welfare, um, educate your conscience in the gospel so so that you're not um being um caught out by a fastidious attention to detail that is unhealthy unhelpful brings you into paralysis Ed- educate your but while you're on that process and on that journey okay also at the same time it's a bit of a balancing act also at the same time don't do things where your conscience is strongly accusing you at the same time so you, it's where you, you need counsel. So there's definitely been times in the early years where you just call in older brothers and sisters and, you know, you, you, I might have said something like, I want to have a beer, but my conscience isn't comfortable with it. And they would say, well, just give yourself a bit more time. You know, and other times I might say, I can't walk past litter without picking it up because my conscience, you know, won't let me. And it's like, hey, come on now. Come on now, you need to just settling the gospel, you know, you need to just, that sounds just like totally fear-driven and and like a slavery. You see, so in both those cases, you know, there's just wisdom coming in, which says, no, in some cases, just be patient with yourself. Let your conscience grow and, and don't force yourself to do stuff out of hand. Um, but in other cases, sometimes you've got to act radically because you recognise that's weird. And, you know, Satan is the accuser of the brothers, right? So if he can, if he can jump on the back of your conscience accusing you, and really blow it up into all kinds of things, and bring you into a different kind of slavery. Maybe as a slave to sin, before sins of, you know, hedonism and um, sins of excess. But now he's make he's bringing you into this just kind of slavery to weird, bizarre rules and things like that. He'd love to win that one. So you go, no, I'm going to stand on my freedom in Christ. That's really good discipleship and pastoring. Um, but then also to, the other thing is to uh, we don't we, we, we want to make sure that we care for others. And again, that's an important, that looks after our own conscience when we care for other people's consciences, treat them well, walk alongside them patiently, gently, take them to the scriptures, but let the Holy Spirit work. The the, the conscience is by no means the only thing to talk about when we talk about welfare. In warfare, there'll be all kinds of other things, but I've said some things on the conscience today that I hope are helpful. Okay, God bless.